you know, change can't happen until somebody starts acting differently. So I would encourage everybody out there to think differently and then act differently and see what happens. You know, make sure someone, everyone else feels ownership over it and then just watch it go. Welcome to the Good Around Us podcast. Here we share stories of people doing good in their communities. I'm your host, Stephanie Keeley. Ty Schmidt is a physical therapist and elite mountain bike racer who saw a need to build stronger, better connected, and more walk and bike friendly communities. So in 2013, he founded Norte and now works full-time on this mission with a big vision for what's possible. With that, I'll let Ty share the rest. Hey, Ty, thank you so much for joining. Hello, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to jump in and learn about the work that you do. So let's get started. Tell us about Norte and what does it do? Who does it serve? Yeah, Norte is a youth-focused uh, advocacy organization up here in beautiful uh, northern Michigan and Traverse City-based. We administer a lot of the Safe House of School education programs across the region. Uh, we're also advocates for access and connection and walkability. And we also provide certain uh, community services like a kid's bike library. So it's something that is uh, kind of attacks, uh, you know, the systems change model from different angles and been at it for about eight years now. Very cool. So what's the story behind it? Um, what's led you to co-founding and running such an organization and grassroots movement? It started when my, my oldest uh, son, Carter, who is now 16, started kindergarten at one of our neighborhood schools. And, and we rode our bike to school. And I don't know how, if Stephanie, if where you grew up, but you know, I, I have the most fond memories of, of biking to school in Manitoba in the 80s. And it was just something that was normal that we all kind of did. And, and when Carter and I got to school, I was just kind of uh, surprised and blown away by uh, how few kids uh, were walking and biking. And then seeing this, uh, this river of cars kind of wrapping around uh, this neighborhood school, this car line, um, which was a new word for me, but car line. Uh, and I just thought that was strange. It's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've come to it's learn that. hours these days. Yeah. I've come to learn that. And I just, I was just kind of surprised. And I was just, you know, for a neighborhood school that's pretty well connected and great, already had great sidewalks and bike lanes in place. Um, so I just decided to do something about it, you know, without really having a plan to start Norte. At the time, I was a physical therapist working uh, part-time uh, with my wife, and I just had some luxury of time. So we decided to just, hey, uh, you know, Carter, invite some buddies, uh, you know, and I'll bike you uh, to school in the morning. And then Johanna, my wife, who had the afternoons off, would bike them back to the neighborhood after school. And that was really like a, how it, this all started. And and watching these kids um, have fun, right? And chatting and, you know, having a blast while, while getting to school, while getting some exercise and, and learning their, their community about how to connect, say their neighborhood to schools was just like this aha moment really. It was like, now this is, this is fun. Why does it, why isn't it happening in, you know, more schools here in Traverse City? So what'd you do? Well, I made some friends with some other awesome parents at other neighborhood schools and said, Hey, you know, and these are already parents who are already quite honest doing it already, but Hey, uh, you know, mom and dad, why don't you invite some neighborhood kids and do the same thing, right? Just, you know, invite them to meet at your house at a certain time. You guys pedal together. And it's less about like shepherding kids or, uh, 
coddling kids, but really it was social. And that social aspect mm-hmm. of them um, just having fun. I know I don't, I don't know what it's like to sit in a car line for, like, like you said, six hours, but it's just <laughs> something that was fun. And I think like once we hook the kids on here, this is something that's normal and healthy and safe and you get to have fun doing it. Um, you know, why aren't we doing more of this? Right. And it seems like as we just get, I don't know, we just get going down this, this rabbit hole of like, this is how you go to school now in, in, in the, you know, the 2020s, you know, years or whatever it is. Um, and that was just something that I wanted to, to disrupt quite honestly, like this, no, this is, <laughs> this is not normal for a neighborhood school, um, to be wrapped in cars at, at arrival and dismissal. Um, so that's where it started. So we just started uh, empowering parents to, to, to lead bike trains um, to their neighborhood schools. And then we started uh, partnering with the schools to do a lot of the education aspect. You know, a lot of the part of starting this was, I'm not sure where it is, like how it is there in Lexington. But here I was just kind of also shocked. Like who's teaching these kids how to, how to bike across town? Like these kids are blowing through stop signs and riding on the wrong side of the road. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure no one's teaching them. <laughs> well, and the same was here, right? Like the answer was nobody. And and I think like education is is part of, you know, upstream solutions, right? You can't just wave your hands and say, come on, kids, you know, do it, you know. Um, but that educational piece has proved to be critical in making relationships with schools. Um, so we started in one school in 2014, Little Adventure Bike Club. Sounds really simple, but the, again, the, as, the aspect and the, the long-term plan was to teach them the skills to be independent and confident um, in getting themselves around, right? And once people see kids doing that, it really has ripple effects, I believe, across the neighborhood. Like, here's something that is, again, we thought might have been niche or just some strange dad doing it, but it's actually quite normal. And I think as we design our neighborhoods around activity, I think it just, it makes that, that vision visible. And I think once you make something visible and people can actually see it, Oh, like I see, like I see this smiling eight-year-old walking to school or biking to school with, with her mom. That's awesome. Let's do more of that. I love it. It's, it's spring now. And where I live, we have a school close by. Um, and I'm starting to see the parents walking their kids to school and in the afternoons coming home. And it's so nice. I mean, it feels, feels right. It feels like what it should be when you live a couple streets over, but I think you're, you're so right that it's, it's not necessarily the norm it's, and it's, you know, as we get to the place where we have kids in schools, in neighborhood schools, it feels sometimes feels like we're supposed to hop in the car and go. That's what our, that's our society. So um, I like that you said, let's disrupt this. And doing so in a way that isn't preachy yeah. or judgmental because we know every family is different, right? Every family has other things going on, um, but providing options and being clear with those like here, here, I got no problem with Carline. Yes. If you choose to arrive to school by Carline, awesome. You know, here's the ways that you can do that, but on um, you know, here's other ways that you can do it. And, and maybe uh, they don't know that, you know, you can park five minutes away and, and walk in, right? And so that's something we do with park and stroll, different things. So it is, it's, it's interesting up here in Michigan because we are the motor state, you know, the big three legacy is strong up here. So I, you have to tread lightly, but this is like, this is like my fight now. This is like, <laughs> this is my cause, you know? And I, so I've since left the physical therapy clinic 
and run this full time. But it's something I'm passionate about. It's something, you know, I think, uh, you know, as a healthcare professional, just tired of dealing with just chronic disease and sedentary lifestyles. And there must be a better way. And I think like that better way starts when kids are three, four or five years old, you know, and, and empowering them to be that change. Cause I, you know, I don't know how old you are, but guys my age, it's hard to break habits. You know, you can tell someone to, you know, choose a healthy lifestyle. Like that's way easier said than done. So can we design, you know, a community that's healthy by design, right? It kind of nudges people in certain ways or makes movement unavoidable or the easy choice. And, you know, that's the type of thing I'm after. And I recognize like that, Willie, that's going to take a long time. But transforming society, I've learned, is hard, Stephanie. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it takes a it long is. time. You've got quite the task at hand. Well, you know, your your organization Norte is doing it's huge. The the breadth and depth of programming um that you have is is huge from you've got programs which you've mentioned a couple facilities, bike libraries, workshops, advocacy. So you're doing a lot. What is the primary impact that you're seeing? I believe data uh, is critical. Like when we're talking about solutions, it needs to be built on concrete data. You know, otherwise, I mean, I we're really good at telling stories and having cute photos of of kids, you know, axing. But you know, now eight years later after starting this, you know, we are having some concrete data that we are shifting mindsets. You know, mindsets of say decision makers who we're also in the, uh, budget season here in Traverse City. So our leaders are now. Uh, budgeting their values, you know, and, and, and Norte's at the table now saying, Hey, uh, you know, I'm all for this $20 million parking deck, of course, but you know, how about, you know, you know, building sidewalks for an underserved uh, neighborhood? What about providing a bike lane, um, to a neighborhood park, you know? And I think now the impact is using those, those really simple ideas of bike trains, right? Anybody can do bike trains, but how do you make it about something bigger, to then influence and shift, you know, funding or power or mindsets towards, you know, again, a healthy by design community, healthy by design neighborhoods where we put people first. Right. And, and again, I tread lightly. I, I don't have a driver's license. I haven't had a driver's license in 15 years, but, I, and I'm not saying obviously cars are a wonderful tool to, to transport people from here and there. Um, but when we're talking about a neighborhood, and a city center, let's focus on, on connecting people to those everyday places. So the impact to your question is, so the first time ever we've helped the city of Traverse City with a $2.5 million infrastructure grant, so three and a half miles of bike lanes and sidewalks and improved intersections around our 10 in-town schools here. Um, we're also partnering with other nonprofits and government agencies to look at this the, and the school districts. So we have four school districts here in Trevor city, but looking at the policies, you know, uh, and practice around um, again, making activity easy. Right. Um, so we're trying to attack it from different angles um, and that that's exciting. Right. And I think like, you know, that's a proof of concept, I guess, you know, it's taken eight years, but, can we make something visible that someone didn't really think is possible? Use that as leverage to create change with the built environment and policy changes and mindset changes. So 2021 um, is a big year for a little Norte and something that we um, are, are excited to, to collect concrete data to then help other communities. Because 
I think that's what's next. And so if anyone's listening and I'm not an expert at, at this at all, um, you know, coming from physical therapy, I'm not a nonprofit consultant or, you know, a planner, an engineer, but I, I do I have learned something about grassroots advocacy uh, and messaging and um, um, influencing decision makers. Right. And I think like that's um, something I would love to share with anybody listening, whether you're Michigan or not. Yeah. So thinking what's next being an expansion of the programs and the advocacy that you're working on, seeing it in other cities across, across the States. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, to be honest, you know, this is happening across the U S I mean, there's organizations very similar to Nori been at it a lot longer than we have and are doing a better job of it than we are. But it is, again, I'm very interested in that. We all have the capability of impacting our neighborhood, big or small. Um, and it, you don't have to be accredited or special. You just have to care, I guess. And you have to um, notice things. And and then, you know, and you have to stick with it, right? And I, you know, there was times back in early days, I'm like, no, what are we doing this for? Like, no one's showing up. No one cares. You know, and I said to Johanna, my wife, let's just give this two years, right? Let's just stick with it for two years. And we'll just keep showing up these rides and, you know, at the schools. And if that's something I think... I'm not special. Johanna's not special. Um, you know, I think change is, is, is part of everything as, as humans, you know, as being connected and having purpose, it's something that we all can do. And I love to see other communities doing it because it's super inspiring. Yeah, that's great. So you, um, you know, you started with a focus on youth and I see um, part of your mission statement. It's the, it's youth and young at heart. So you've expanded and it's, a, you have, services or pro- um, programs are for adults as well. Is that right? Yeah. It's the young and the young at heart because you're right. You get it. You have, you know, and the young at heart is everybody, right? I mean, and I think, uh, you know, ultimately- I don't know. I'm an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> I've been 60 since I was seven. Well, young at heart, you know, we are, I think we will always be youth focused in that that is the strategy, right? Start them young, teach them right, right? But making sure yeah. that the entire community, no matter their age, no matter their background, no matter their financial position or um, whatever the stripe, that this is an organization that is uh, inclusive and welcoming and open. And if you want to play a role and if you want to learn a skill, we want to help be a part of that. Right. And so we used to be, uh, you know, used to just be Norte Youth Cycling. Uh, so we've since uh, dropped the youth you know, from the name and, and cycling from the name, um, you know, Norte is a mashup of meeting Johanna in Tucson and coming back North. But, um, but it is something that is, we, we understand is, is critical to advancing the mission. It's, it's more than kids and it's more than bikes. Great. Let's take a quick break. Ty, you've been talking about how you founded Norte. It was a passion. It became something you try out um, and you've grown it over eight years into something really big that's making a big impact on communities. And it makes me curious, have you always been involved in things? Is this is this just part of your core um, leadership and involvement and kind of taking things on? Have I always been? No. When I moved to Traverse City, I think is when it started. 
you know, and I think it, it speaks to this amazing place I call home, this adopted hometown here in Northern Michigan, where I think I just felt a part of it. And I think once we feel connected and we have a sense of belonging, that we feel impelled to contribute. And I do so in a way that, that comes from humility because I, I really don't know what I'm doing. And I still don't, right? I still like talk about leadership and, you know, I'm constantly reading stuff and books and blogs and podcasts. And I'm like, oh, geez, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I love the journey and I love learning every day. Uh, and I'm surrounded by an amazing team. I mean, really, I look around at some of our board meeting and we just have some of the smartest people in the region who care deeply about it. And it just feeds on itself. It's like a snowball, right? It's, it's infectious. Um, so, and, and now I'm in a unique position where I think we have, again, in a small corner in the tip of the pinky of Michigan, some leverage to bring about change. And I, and that's a privilege, you know, and, and, you know, leading a tribe, that's like the best thing in life, you know, to be able to even a small little tiny tribe, like, that's a gift. So uh, I take that serious. It is cool. You mentioned your team. When you've got a great team, there's just nothing like that. That That is when work feels joyful. It's, it's fun to solve problems and to um, make progress. And, and continue to innovate, you know, and, yeah. and, and to be creative. And um, as a co-founder, that's sometimes tricky. I'm, I don't know if you've sp spoken to other co-founders, but it's something that I've had to learn to give ownership to my team and to sometimes mm. get out of the way. And sometimes that, that hasn't been easy. I'll just be honest. Like, this is my baby. Don't screw it up. <laughs> but I've learned uh, along the way that in order for this to sustain and endure, like it has to be more than tie. There's some days where I just see my, my team of eight. So we have a staff of eight, which it doesn't sound big, but it blows my mind. In the nonprofit world, <laughs> it's, that's doing pretty well. Every time I say it out loud, it's I was like, wow. Watching them own it, think about where we're going, think about what needs to happen in order to get there, and thinking uh, big picture upstream is really, I just find it exciting, you know, and, and I don't I don't take any credit for that. You know, I, it's just something that I think we've built into the, the culture where, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this forever either. And I just want something to, you know, have a, a strong foundation of, of where we're going and what it's going to take to get there and what success looks like, you know? And so it's, it's an exciting time, especially post pandemic coming out of this, like we're in such a unique position and I'm sure there's other organizations across the country also in unique positions where things are like lined up and this is like a once in a century opportunity. Um, yeah. And, and I personally take that serious, you know, like, this is it. <laughs> We're not, I hope This is your moment. You have yeah. to meet the moment. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about leadership because I know it's something you're really passionate about. Um, what is your leadership style? I never went to school to be a leader. I was never up until, you know, I left the clinic in 17 in charge of anything, you know, including at home and the work, you know, and now chief executive of a thriving nonprofit. But I, I think my, my, what I, what I see myself trending towards is, you know, you know, a leader that is comfortable with some risk. And I think that can be lots of things, right? I mean, but if we're not comfortable uh, taking some risks, I don't know. I just, 
that's a, that's something that's important to me, right? We're always testing, we're always um, uh, experimenting, and maybe maybe it's a terrible idea, right? And I'll tell you what I'm not very good at is you know I'm not very good at analyzing things or really thinking of things carefully through. I am good at trying things, and I am good at recognizing when things have momentum, right? And maybe anticipating what's coming next and just being adaptive, right? And not being so certain all the times about, well, anything, being certain about anything <laughs> <laughs> and being comfortable when things emerge, it's okay to change course and it's okay to like, Ooh, that sucked. Let's try this. And yeah, there's been being no, agile and adaptable. Yeah. And being willing to stick your neck out. I guess a little bit, you know, and that's hard for me, you know, as an introvert and I go back and forth on that a lot, you know, but it is, it does take some courage and, I, and I'm in a position where I'm just trying to practice that every day now. Right. And, and, and some of that is disrupting the status quo. And sometimes people don't like it really to you like, I don't like Norte trying to change what's going on here. And I took that personally early on, but again, I think we understand why we're here. We understand the vision that we're trying to do the purpose we're trying to achieve, I've learned that someone's resistance to the change you're trying to, is just part of the game, part of the deal. Not everyone likes it. Well, you're very humble. And so I know asking it about your own personal leadership style might be tougher to reflect on for you, but, you know, thinking leadership generally, what do you think is required for good leadership? I I think like, I, I think some humility, being okay, not being right all the time. I've learned this word a lot um, this past year is is some is to be empathetic and put yourselves in their shoes once in a while and maybe look at it from their perspective because we just had the hardest year ever, right? I say like, oh, we're in a great position, this and that and the other, but 2020 was hard, just like it was hard for, I'm sure, many organizations, you know, and 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 to try to think about you know what's going on, say, with your board president's life or your program director's life or your volunteer's life. You know, and to think about taking care of them and making that part of an in, intentional practice, right? You know, I think it, leadership also takes intention, right? I mean, at least for me, you know, it's something I try to work at every day, you know, and starting Norte, it was just me and Johanna and that was easy, right? I mean, I could do that all day, but as we scale and as we grow our impact, small is beautiful. But again, like in order to get there, you need, you need a, you know, in a team that's committed, you know, and willing to do the work. And as a leader of the tribe, making sure they're they're doing okay, I think that's thinking of people as human beings. That's yeah. right. You know, I think sometimes we get budget season. You know, strategic planning season. Laser focus. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, we don't have this policy. You know, and I think there'll always be time for that. But I think taking the time to connect, which isn't easy either. I mean, I don't even know like what your workflow and work culture is like, but just remote in general, like as we transition to whatever's coming next, whether it's hybrid or remote or, you know, and I think that's been a challenge. You know, how do you stay connected to your team? How do you make sure everyone has a voice and feels like they can contribute to not just in the weeds, right? Not just like the weedy stuff, but the vision stuff and get up on the balcony once in a while and like, yes, you know, I feel good about the direction we're going because I, you know, I get to, I have a say in where we're going. More than before, and it was required before, but even more so, intention is is key um, in all that we're doing from a from a leadership perspective. So, do you have any advice for others, maybe on wellness or on making a difference? 
I like, yeah. I try not to give advice, Stephanie. <laughs> I can tell, but I think you should, because I think you're quite smart. <laughs> I've learned that early. Like I've, I've, the other thing, I just try to ask questions now and, and I'm trying to get better at that, right? And maybe coach a little bit more and give advice, mm-hmm. give advice last. But I, I think what's coming next, we, we've seen what, what, at least my saving grace during the pandemic and lockdown was just, you know, outside and so grateful to, to live in a place where outside was never canceled and we were able to get out as a family and connect to nature and be outside. And I think like that is something I hope all of us uh, continue to fight for. And I think every single one of us has the ability to contribute, whether it's at work or in your church group or at home, that type of empowerment, whatever that means. And I hate using that word because it's like empowering people just seems strange. But I, I would say if you notice something is wrong, just because it's wrong doesn't mean it needs to stay wrong forever. And until someone starts acting differently, you know, change can't happen until somebody starts acting differently. So I would encourage everybody out there to think differently and then act differently and see what happens. You know, make sure someone, everyone else feels ownership over it and then just watch it go. That's bad advice. It's great advice. All right. So Ty, what's a quote that sticks with you? Well, I know Stephanie, you are a Margaret Mead fan. (laughs) And I think like some days when I feel frustrated or if I feel like, God, we're not doing it, you know, and I think of that quote of a, to to never underestimate a committed, passionate group. You, You probably know the language better than I do of, of citizens to change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has, you know, and I think like that is a great reminder of what we call ordinary people being awesome. And I, and I, and I, and I think about that a lot, like just be, it's not expected of us, right? We, we do it because we can, and we do it because it's worth fixing. Thank you, Ty. Thank you so much. You're doing big things um, for youth and the young at heart, um, for communities and for wellness. And, um, I'm excited to watch the growth that this year brings and the future year it brings for Norte and for, um, Northern Michigan and hopefully more cities around the, around the U S. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. If you caught the trailer for this podcast, you'll know that both Ty and I find inspiration in Margaret Mead's quote, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. What sits with me after meeting Ty is the great value in disruption. We shouldn't be afraid to do things a little differently. The greatest innovation comes from just that. To learn more about Norte, go to elgruponorte.org. If you liked this episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. It makes a difference. Thanks for listening to The Good Around Us. Until next time.